0: Thank you Rick and Jamie for uh, taking care of the music today. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. The last several weeks we've looked at the subject where Jesus walked. Jesus walked in the unpleasant places. Jesus walked into our homes, the good days, the happy days, the sad days. Uh, Jesus walks on the big days, the big events. Jesus walks with us on the little days, the everyday events. We saw where Jesus walks on our saddest days, and Jesus walks in unpredictable places. A lot of different places Jesus walks if you read through the Gospels. There's one road, one path that took Jesus to every single one of them. We wanna look at that road today. Mark chapter nine, beginning in verse 30. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Mark chapter nine, beginning in verse 30. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. After he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Then he came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to him, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whosoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for seeing where Jesus walked, and we thank you where Jesus walks today. We ask that you would show us some things about Jesus today, but Father, especially... Show us some things about ourselves we need to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. What was the road that Jesus walked that took him to all the different places? The same road pretty much brings him in all the different places in our life. It becomes clear when we look in the book of Mark chapter 9 and the book of Mark chapter 10, among other places. The road that carried Jesus everywhere into the hearts and lives of the people around him was the road to the cross. The road to the cross. In this passage of scripture, Jesus and his disciples are traveling. They're traveling, and Jesus gives us an idea of where the ultimate destination is. The Son of Man is betrayed, and in the hands of men, they will kill him, and after he was killed, he will rise the third day. Jesus made this clear, not only on this road where they were walking, but he made it clear throughout his ministry. If you back up to chapter 8, verse 31. Chapter 8, verse 31. And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must, suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly or plainly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. When he had turned about and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He made this plain. He said, the son of man must Suffer many things. The Book of Matthew, this same passage of scripture, he uses this word must before everything he would experience. He must suffer many things. He must be killed. He must be risen the third day. The word must, and we've looked at this before, is a Greek word, very strong Greek word. It's D, D I, but the word is, is pronounced D. And according to Greek scholars, it means necessary to the nature of the case. Or, let's put it in our terminology, absolutely essential. It is absolutely essential that this happen. It is inevitable, unavoidable, non-negotiable. When Jesus said the Son of Man must be betrayed and crucified, then that meant. That there was a case, there was a plan, and it was inoper- unalterable. it was unchangeable. Here's the nature of the case. What is the case? The case is this. God is love, and man is a sinner and disqualified from heaven. And because God is love, God will provide salvation for humanity, but also... God is not just love, but God is just and holy and cannot tolerate sin in his presence. Well, he loves us because we're sinners, disqualified from heaven. Every single human being, we're sinners. He can't can't tolerate and abide with the sin in our lives. It is necessary in the nature of the case for Jesus to go to the cross and pay the penalty of our sins and satisfy the holy justice of God. That's the nature of the case. That's the case. And because of this situation, Jesus said there's no other way. There is not another option. There's not a plan B. The Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, must be betrayed, and must be killed. Now, a lot of folks would say, a lot of secular historians said, well, the minister of Jesus just went off the rails. This is all the surprise that he was crucified because what happened is, is the Roman government turned uh, against him. He was a revolutionary and his plans to, to really change the world all fell through. And the crucifixion was just a big, bad accident. That's absolutely not. Jesus taught this early on. Jesus taught that this was the ultimate plan. In chapter 8 that we looked at, look at a particular word. He began to teach them many things. Now what this means, and this is mentioned again in the book of Matthew chapter 16, this word is important. Jesus just didn't teach it one and done. It said he's began to teach it. That means from that day on, he told them over and over and over again. At least three different occasions in the book of Mark. He's mentioning this. It is mentioned eight times in all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, eight different times. So we understand Jesus left it very clear this was the ultimate destination. This is where all roads led to. Every parable, every sermon, every miracle, every place where Jesus walked all led to this. If you look in chapter 10 of the book of Mark, Just a couple of pages over. Verse 32. This passage gives us a picture of what we read back in chapter 9. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was going before them and they were amazed. As they followed, they were afraid. He took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him, scourge him, spit on him, and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Another time. Is there anything doubtful about what Jesus said? Let me tell you what's going to happen. He told them exactly how he would be treated exactly how they would respond to him. So we realize he told them where they were going. But here's the interesting picture that we see. They were on the road going to Jerusalem, the road where Jesus walked. And Jesus was walking in front of them. Jesus was going in front of them. He was walking in front of them, and the disciples were behind them. According to another Greek scholar, the word going before them, the verb structure is not just that particular incident. The Greek is very specific. It meant that this was his customary action. In that, as they walked along a road, Jesus customarily would go in front of them. And they would follow behind. And on the road that we're looking at, in Mark chapter 9, this was the case. This was the case. They were walking the same road with him that led to the cross. They were walking on the same road that Jesus walked. And as all followers, we are expected to do the same. Look in chapter 8, verse 34, about a a page where you you are, maybe even on the same page. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to walk the same road I'm walking, you have to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. And that means to deny our own self to the point of death if necessary. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake for the and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What he said this... If you're going to follow me or even claim to follow me, then you must be willing to walk this road, to sacrifice any and everything, all of it, to follow Jesus Christ and to serve him. He left no doubt about it in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Whoever does not bear his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He didn't say you can kind of be a disciple. You can sacrifice a little bit and be okay. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, if we're going to walk that road, then we have to walk that road that would lead to the cross if necessary. And he says, if you can't take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Now, let me explain what the cross is. You know, a lot of times people have a bad job, they have a horrible job. Their boss is overbearing, or the people they work with is bad, and they say, oh, but this is the cross I have to bear. Absolutely not. The fact that you're having a bad day, the fact that you can't pay your bills, even the fact that we're sick and have something that's not our cross to bear. That's just living in this life. The cross we bear is what we are willing to sacrifice for Jesus Christ. When he said take up your cross, that was a method, an instrument of execution. He says, you've got to be willing to lose all of it for my sake. That's the mindset. I will follow Jesus regardless of the cost. Well, here are these men. that were walking the same road. And these continued where many did not. One of the saddest passages of scripture that you would read is John chapter 6, verse 66. Kind of easy to remember, 666. And it says, from that time on, many of his disciples went back, and listened to this, and walked not after him. They had determined that the cost was too high. They had other things to do a little bit more of things that are more convenient. They could not tolerate the cost and the inconvenience and the sacrifice and the dedication, so they did not walk with him. So here are these men walking the same road with Jesus. And this is what's for me. While they may have been on the same road, they weren't following closely enough. First of all, physically. Just the actual position of where they were on the road. Again, Greek scholars look at what we looked at in Mark chapter 10. Jesus went ahead of them. And they followed behind. Obviously, they thought they were out of earshot of Jesus. They thought they were out of earshot of Jesus. So he's up there. And they're back here. And they thought they were far enough away that Jesus wouldn't hear what they were saying, that he wouldn't be in on that conversation. You see, maybe, maybe they had the familiar mindset. Jesus is okay for some days of our life. Jesus is okay for some places in our life. Jesus is okay for some of the company in our life. But we want to observe part of our life so we can back up a little bit, and Jesus doesn't have anything to do with that. That's where they were. That's exactly where they were. So we know physically they were following too far back, but also spiritually. They were not anywhere close to the heart of Jesus. They were on the same road with Jesus. People could look at them and say, oh, they're following Jesus. But in here, their heart was a long way from Jesus because we're looking at an old habit. That was hard to break. What is that habit that was hard to break? It says they were disputing among themselves who would be greatest in the kingdom. Now, Jesus is walking on the road to the cross. He had just told them. He is ahead of them talking about the sacrifice that would save all humanity who would come to him and wipe away sins and make a difference in the hope of humanity. He was thinking those thoughts. What were they thinking? Who's going to be the top place in the kingdom? Who's going to be the greatest? One scholar put it this way when he mentioned Mark chapter 10 of Jesus walking before him, and this is so familiar Jesus walked before his disciples, thinking his deep thoughts. And his disciples walked behind him, thinking their vain. What am I going to get out of it? Why does he have to be higher than I am? No, I'm going to be the talk dog. No, I'm going to sit there. That's exactly what was going on. So they were miles away. This would be mentioned three times in the book of Mark. On this occasion, in Mark chapter 10, verse 38, if you look again, Let's look at verse 35, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said, What do you want me to do for you? Did you catch that? Not we thank you for what you're doing for us and what can we do to serve you. They said, We want a favor from you. And they said, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. That'll put us in the top spots. Jesus said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said to him, we're able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and the baptism I'm baptized with. You will be baptized, but to sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give. But it's those for whom it is prepared. Look at verse 41. Then when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Well, you know why they were greatly displeased with James and John? They wanted those seats. So it happened earlier. It happened here. And in the book of Luke chapter 22, get this. After Jesus had instituted the Lord's Supper and told them, this is my body that's broken for you, this is my blood that is shed for you, in the upper room, they were still disputing among themselves who would be greatest. Boy, this is a habit that's hard to break. How could he get through to them that this is not the heart of our Savior, is who's going to be biggest and best, who's going to have the most? That was their vain thoughts. You see, too much was riding on these guys to have that mindset. In the days ahead, they would have to be totally unified, totally supportive of one another, focused on sharing the gospel of Jesus when he left them to do his work and ascended to heaven. They must absolutely must have the same priorities and place more emphasis in reaching the world with the message than their own selfish ambitions. That had to happen, but it was a habit that was hard to break. So Jesus asked the question that nobody wanted to answer. On the road to the cross, Jesus turned to his disciples, and in verse 33, he said, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? The word disputed means they were arguing. It was a heated argument. What what were you arguing about on the road? Well, do you think Jesus didn't know? Jesus heard what they were saying. It wasn't that Jesus would realize what they were saying. It was they would realize exactly what they were saying. You see, they were very willing to voice their opinion earlier. They had plenty to say and plenty to say very loudly for their own cause and for their own position. This was important to them and important enough to argue with each other while they were following Jesus on the road. Now, it's too embarrassing to even talk to Jesus about. What was so important to them earlier Is embarrassing when they realize, I've got to explain this to Jesus. It's quite interesting. The Greek here says, but they kept silent, not that they were silent. The verb structure here, here is, they kept on being silent. Now, this implies two things. First of all, there was a long wait for an answer. Isn't silence uncomfortable? Isn't it uncomfortable? And Jesus asked, what were you arguing about on the road? Well, they look at each other. Of course, it's all everybody else's fault because everybody knew I I was going to be. They all look at each other. They're not getting along. Nobody says anything. It also implies this. Jesus had to ask them, more than once. And they kept on being silent. What were you arguing about on the road? Nobody's gonna tell me? What were you talking about back there? You don't have anything to say? What what was on your mind a while ago? Jesus had to ask them over and over, and it never says they gave him an answer. Never says they gave him an answer. Why is that? They were embarrassed, and they were ashamed of what seemed to be most important to them in their own eyes. Now that Jesus was looking at them, not important at all. Not important at all. So let's, let's ask ourselves the question, what were we talking about a while ago? Whenever a while ago was. What were we talking about last week? At work? At school? In your home? What was it that was on your mind and occupied your attention? You see, when we start thinking about what was so important to us this week and occupied all of our attention, maybe even argued with somebody about, maybe what we found entertainment in, what we found cute and funny, now all of a sudden Jesus says, what did you talk about this week? Maybe that's something we need to discuss with him this morning. You see, because when Jesus is listening, it does make a difference. And you know how much of it he heard last week? All of it. He heard all of it. This would be a kind of a sad passage of Scripture because they, they never answered it. But it ends on a real happy note. And isn't that just the way that Jesus does it? It ends on a happy note. Let's, let's look at the happy note. Of course, he gives them the lesson he told them over and over again. He sat down. Now, when a rabbi sat down to teach, he meant business. Anytime you see where a rabbi sat down, this was important. So he, he stopped and he sat down So, all right, guys, got to get down to business. And he said, if anyone desires to be first, he will be last of all and servant of all. And he took a little child, set him in the midst of them. When he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. See, the happy note is this. Here are the disciples all ashamed and embarrassed because they weren't acting like disciples. They were acting like little children, and they were arguing among themselves, and they didn't even have... It wasn't even important for them to talk to Jesus because they were so embarrassed. And in, in the middle of probably one of the worst days of their week... One little kid had the best day of his life. Because said Jesus took a little child and he put him in the midst of it. Then he hugged him up. He hugged him. Man, what a good day for that little kid. What a great day for that little kid. Now, that's a happy thing in and of itself. But watch this. What does this mean that makes us even happier? Jesus didn't have to go looking for a child. That meant there are regularly children nearby where Jesus was. What a wonderful thought. And you know what he says? If you'll welcome these children, you'll welcome me. What a wonderful principle for a church to live by. Welcome children, and you welcome Jesus. Because children, children are are high activity. They're they're high maintenance. Children are loud. Children are active. Children require a lot of energy. And, And children sometimes are messy. You know, I can remember... When we were over in Africa or down in Central America, and you would start, of course, setting up for a, a, a street sermon or something, all the kids of the village would come up to you. All the kids would come up to you. And especially in Africa, they wanted to touch you because they'd never seen a white man before. They wanted to touch you. And they'd reach out and touch you. And their hands were wet, and there wasn't a puddle within a mile. So I'm wondering, what, what is this? Kids are messy. We don't, we don't know what this was. They would come up and hug you. You see, sometimes kids are hard on the building. Kids, are, we have to do a lot of things, but let me tell you, Jesus said, when you welcome kids, you welcome me. And you see, here was a, a little boy that Jesus hugged him up and took him in his arms. And it became one of the best days of his life. I'm glad that Jesus ended this on a happy note. Now, here's the question. Disciples were on the road following Christ. Now, i look around here, and I know that all of us here just about in this building can say, Man, I'm on that road. But here's the question. How close are we following? Are we too far back like the disciples? Willing to get close enough where Jesus could hear every word. He hears it anyway, but watch this. More importantly, you can hear every word from him. How close are you following? We prepare for an invitation to him. Jesus went to the cross, and that road went to the cross, and he went to the cross because of you and because of me and on our behalf. Do you know Christ? You see, he went to the cross because we're all sinners. We're disqualified from heaven, and God said, I can't let that stand. And he sent Christ to pay the price for our sins so that we can be saved. But have you? Have you accepted Christ? Have you believed in Christ? Have you acknowledged your need of salvation and accepted that gift? Perhaps you're here and you say, I've I've taken care of all that. Well, what about the road that we're on? Are we on the road following Jesus to wherever he goes, wherever he leads, whatever the cost? That's the question all of us have to deal with this morning. As we stand and sing. Number 120.